speaker this morning for our final summer Sunday is Joe Fisher. Uh, yeah, we love Joe, don't we? He's married to Emma. Uh, they've got amazing kids. Joe's a kind of presenter of all sorts of things, sports events, all kinds of stuff. He's also an incredible friend and a member of our congregation. Can we welcome Joe Fisher as he comes to speak to us this morning? Morning. Now, I promise you that Ed didn't prompt me on this, but Ed was talking about Alpha earlier, and I want to say one of the best experiences that me and Emma have had being part of this church is serving on an Alpha team. It's been absolutely brilliant. Em does the food. I like to lead a group because I talk, funny that. Um, but it is been one of the most brilliant privileges that we've had of being part of the Alpha team. So if you're thinking about it or getting people involved or getting on team, do it. There you go. We're done now, aren't we? Good, good. Good morning, everybody. Now, we're going to start with a little quiz. Come on. Those that know me will know that I like... And during lockdown, I hosted an online quiz. We had over, like, 1,000 people a week for a few months, which is amazing. Uh, so I like a good quiz, all right? So you can all join in on this, because it's really simple. It's a true or it's a false, all right? It's a true or it's a false. So I'm going to ask you some questions. If you think it's true, you're going to put your thumbs up. If you think it's false, you're going to put your thumbs down. Quite straightforward. These are facts on sleep. Okay, see what you know about sleep. The record for the longest period of time without sleep is nine days. True or false? What are we thinking? What are we thinking? Oh, we got. A, we, someone's gone in the middle. That's just cheating, now. We've got lots of truths, we've got quite a few falses down here. Well, if you said false, you're right. It's 11 days. It's a bit more than that. 11 days. Can you imagine 11 days without sleep? Blimey. Okay, next one. Who got a point there, by the way? Who doesn't care? Okay, Dysania, D-Y-S-A-N-I-A, Dysania, Dysania, uh, is the state of finding it hard to get out of bed in the morning. Is that true or is that false? Dysania or Dysania is the state of finding it hard to get out of bed in the morning. True or false? Lots of truths. We've got a false over the back there. We've got a couple of falses here. It is actually true. So you can blame it on that. Oh, it's Dysania. Next one, 41% of the British population sleep in the fetal position. 41% British population sleep in the fetal position. True or false? He's gone straight in on false. We've got lots of falses on this one. Lots of falses, but it's actually true. Who's got three out of three? Who's telling the truth in church? Well done, very good. Okay, last one for you. Sleep. Experts have discovered that there is a direct link between people's favourite sleeping positions and their personalities. Is that true or false? Vicar thinks it's true. Harry thinks it's true. It's true. It's true. Give yourselves a round of applause. Who got four out of four? Grandma, we salute you. Okay, now you're probably wondering why I'm talking about sleep in a service. It's got nothing to do with the fact that my sermon may induce it. I don't think we've ever had anyone fall asleep in this. I bet we have, actually, but not Reese. No, no, we haven't. We've never had anyone fall asleep. 
But sleep is a regular thing that we do without often thinking about it. We just have a routine, don't we? We wake up, we do our thing, we sleep. We wake up, we do our thing, we sleep. It's a natural part of our daily routine. And the reason I'm talking about sleep a little bit is that our talk today is on the final talk about rest. And we've been talking all the way through August on a series of rest. We've looked at resting through trials, uh, which Ed led us in, resting on the Sabbath. We've had uh, resting in the peace that Jesus brings. And today we're going to talk about resting when we trust. Okay, resting when we trust. Now the verse I want to look at today is from Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8. So if you've got your phones, has anyone actually got a Bible with them? Right, phones then. Have you got your phones? If not, it's coming up on here. Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8, and it goes like this. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend upon God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. This is a psalm of David. Now, we've talked about David through lots of different sermons over the years here at St. Matt's, and David obviously is a person that writes loads of psalms. He's a warrior, he's a battler, but he also goes through lots and lots of difficult times. And what I like in this psalm is right at the beginning of this bit, yes, my soul, find rest in God. He's telling his soul to rest. He's giving himself permission to rest in God. He's saying, come on, time to do this. How often do we forget to rest? How often do we forget to give over what we're going through to God? And he's telling his soul, he's imploring his soul, come on, mate, breathe. Yeah? Resting in God is as crucial and as necessary as sleep. Can you imagine never sleeping, never stopping, never getting that chance to regroup, to refresh? And yet, spiritually, we do it a lot. I certainly do. We continue living life, getting on with things, being as busy as we possibly can. And when you're as hyperactive as me, that's really easy. And we keep going and we keep going and we forget to rest, to rest in God, to just stop. The Amplified Version says, stop and be quiet. Something I find quite difficult to do. But it's something that we're telling our souls to do. We are giving ourselves permission to just let go, to rest in God. And I'm not even necessarily talking about quiet times. You know, those specific moments where we just stop and we meditate and we pray. I'm talking about a natural rhythm. I'm talking about just a natural thing that we don't even think about. It becomes part of our, for want of a better phrase, spiritual muscle memory. That we just 
learn to trust. We learn to rest. It becomes our everyday mentality. And can you imagine if we did do that, how much better our lives would be with God because we just learn to trust. We don't let the fear, we don't let the troubles, we don't let the issues get us down. We learn to just pause and rest. So I guess the parallels with rest and with actual sleep is that we can't function without resting in God. We do have to learn to calm down, to stop, to trust him. But the difference is that sleep happens as a routine, whereas breathing is probably an even better parallel. Because we don't think about it when we breathe. Oh, I must breathe. We just do it. We just do it. Imagine how amazing that would be if we just went, okay, God, this is yours. Not blasé, but actually genuinely believing that he's going to carry us through whatever it is we're going through. And we can learn to just rest in him. Now, in 2015, I got to do one of the scariest things that I've ever done in my life. I went paragliding. Uh, we were in Turkey with the family, with Ellie and Sam and Emma. And Sam was about 17 at the time. Okay. And he was desperate to do paragliding. Now, this particular resort in Turkey is famous for paragliding. It's held the world championships. It's got some of the best paragliders in the world. And you can see them every time we were on the beach. We could see paragliders coming over, landing just in front, literally on the beach, weren't they? Actually landing on the beach. And Sam's going, come on, Dad. And I'm going, not a chance, pal. They go, come on, let's do this. And when your 17-year-old son tries to better you, you've got to try and equal them. You've got to. You wait, guys. It will come. And you're like, okay, I've got to do this. I really don't want to, but I've got to do this. It was a lot of money, so I was really worried about that to start with. And it starts, the fear begins before you've even got to the mountain because you go in a minibus. Now, the mountain is a very, very, very big mountain with a very, very small road leading up to it. And these Turkish minibus drivers are absolute nutters. And you've got two minibuses, one going up, one coming down, there's not enough room. And I'm sat there going, oh my goodness, I'm not even going to fly off the mountain, I'm going to fly off in a van. So that was scary enough. The second bit that was scary was these two guys, what you do is you have five um, members of the public and five pilots. And you're all sat in the minibus together and the pilots are chatting in Turkish and we're all sat there absolutely bricking it, right? And... All they're doing at this time were they were chatting and looking at me and pointing and chatting and looking at me and pointing. And one guy, at one point, I'm not kidding, he chatted, looked at me and went. <laughs> bit rude. And then he came over to me because I was kind of sat at the back and he turned around and he goes, you big man. I'm going, yeah, all right, chill out. He goes, no, 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 you really big man. And I'm thinking, it's getting a bit rude now, mate. He's going, you're really big. I carry you. You run or we fall. <laughs> what? You run or we fall. Okay, I've got that folly bit. I'm not sure about the runny bit. That's the bit I'm not sure about. And anyway, what they'd done is they decided that this one guy who was a bit stronger and a bit younger was going to carry me while the older guy was going to carry Sam. Sam was not happy about this at all, all right? And I'll tell you more in a minute about why. But we get to the top of the mountain, and they've literally tarmacked the mountain. 
so that you can run off it. I'm not kidding you. They've tarmacked the man. They strap you to this guy. They put your wings on, like your paraglidey thing, whatever it's called. Yeah, no idea. Right? And then basically, you run off the mountain. And there's someone behind you running with you. And all he kept shouting in my ear was, run! Boy, did I run. I ran faster than I've ever run in my life. And the funniest thing was, Sam says he's never laughed so much in his life because I carried on running. We had left four minutes previous. We were already soaring through the sky. And I'm going like this and I'm still running. And all I could do was just keep going because I was so scared. And I carried on running. But I didn't need to. I didn't need to keep... Oh, there we are. Look at that. That is me looking happy. That didn't happen till the end. But the amazing thing was, once I stopped running, and I settled into it, I started to really enjoy it. And you'll see in that picture... I'm actually flying it. I'm actually holding the controls. I was so scared. But once I decided to trust this guy, and he turns out not, not a word of a lie, one of the best stunt paragliders in the world. That's why Sam was gutted. Because he got this old guy, and they just sat there like that. This guy says to me after about five minutes, we spin? I'm going, no, we don't spin. We sit. We chill. We're happy. Five minutes later, we're spinning. Boy, were we spinning. We go up, he lets it, we go down, and we go up. It was the most incredible thing I've ever done in my life. And I loved it. Because I trusted him. I believed that he was going to not make me fall and I just got on with it and it was the most exhilarating thing I have ever done I had to let go I had to just sit back and trust that he was going to get me through this how many of us run in midair while God's carrying us you know God's, I've got this I've got to run I've got to do this God I've got to do no I'm doing it, says God. I got this. Chill your boots. Come on, soul. Rest. Resting isn't passive. I became part of that experience. I wasn't just sat there letting him do the job. I got involved. He asked me if we wanted to spin. We spam. He asked me if I wanted to take control. I took control. Not for long. I became part of that process. Resting isn't passive. It's not just sitting back and going, come on then God, do your bit. Oh, go on then. It's becoming part of the process. Becoming a team. And flying together. How exciting is that? I'm excited about it. In verse 6 and 7, it says, my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor Depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Look how many times David uses the word my. He owns it. He owns it. 
It's not a passive thing. He becomes part of the process. God, you are my rock. I'm owning this. You are my salvation. The more I trusted in my pilot, the more adventurous that flight got, the more exciting it got. God has our best interests. And the things he, we want to do, he wants to do with us. Things we want to do, he wants to do with us. The more we trust, the more God can do. As we let go, he goes, right, I've got this, let's go. Let's fly. But it takes us doing that, owning it, saying, come on then, God, come and be my rock, come and be my salvation. David was a soldier. He was a warrior, a busy, busy guy. He wasn't a, a wallflower. He didn't just sit on his throne. He was all over the place and probably very rarely stopped unless he was forced to. Yet he understood how important it was to stop, to rest in God, to trust him, even when he's on the move, to, to allow God to protect, to provide, and empower him. The next bit, right at the end of uh, verse 8, it says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. David mentions the word refuge twice, just in these three verses. He was running a lot of the time away from Saul before he was king. He knew what it was to have to hide. He knew what it was to have to get away. And he was often spending a lot of time in a cave. And he relates that to God. I'm going to hide in you. I'm going to find my protection in you. Not in anything else. He even hides at one point in the enemy's camp with the Philistines. But he knows what it is to hide, to trust in God, to find refuge in him. Where do we find our refuge? When things are difficult, when we're being chased down by life, where do we hide? Do we hide in ourselves, disappearing, not letting anyone in? Do we hide in escapism, TV, internet, those kind of things? Bad habits, maybe, relationships. And some of these are not always bad things. How about... Let's hide in God. Let's sit there in God's presence. That become a regular thing, a, a, a just a, a muscle memory thing, just saying, God, I'm in you now. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to let you do the flying. David hid in a cave for a long time when Saul was trying to kill him. He didn't have anywhere to go. Everything that he relied upon had gone. All the clutter, all the other stuff, he knew what it was like to just stop and hide and to rest in God. So just to conclude, looking at the whole of that um, passage, how do we rest? We hand over to God. We trust in him at all times. We hide in him. We tell him what's going on. We make it personal. We own it. And we actively participate in the adventure that is faith in God.
pouring out our hearts to him and finding refuge in God alone.